Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Welcome to another episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have Andrew Chow. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Of course, Andrew. And this has been months in the making. Excited to have you on the show. Tell us about yourself and your upbringing. Right. So I'm Andrew Chow. People know me as MachiDD or now as MDD. I came out with my first album in 2003. So I was 13 with my group Machi. And so a lot of people know me from that. But since then, I've continued to be a musician in Taiwan, done many albums since then. And right now I'm really focusing on electronic music. And currently I am signed to Sony Music Taiwan. So congratulations. 2003 that's a long time like what is that i know 18 years yeah it feels like a really long time yeah yeah (laughs) i mean what is it like in the industry for that long at this moment right knowing that you started about 18 years ago and what has your personal transition been a lot of things change a lot of things stay the same definitely the experience has i've seen a lot right but at the same time i've seen the industry change a lot as well. Although, you know, I do have to say that your perspective as a 13 year old, you don't really get the full picture, right? A lot of decisions probably made by adults that you you don't get to see. So I can't really say like, yeah, I'm a 20 year vet of the music industry. I don't think it works exactly like that, but but it's close. Yeah. I mean, hats off to you, right? Because the music industry is very tough and very competitive and highly saturated. And to be relevant for 18 years is not an easy task, right? I want to hear about your creative process as an artist. Sure. How do you find your inspiration? Like, Do you have any daily routines or things that you practice along the way to help you perfect your abilities? I think that when it comes to music, obviously, you know, you need to have the mentality that you want to perfect your craft. You know, you want to be the best. You want to do your personal best at whatever you are trying to do, whether that's going to be singing or songwriting or producing music or playing the guitar or whatever, right? You got to get as good as you can be and as your natural limit. And that's the first thing, obviously. Other than that, like, I think finding inspiration, inspiration comes and goes. For me, I, I mainly write songs, right? So what I would do is I just, you know, just throughout the day, I'll record like little melodies and stuff that I might have in my head, because I personally found that whenever you try to sit down and write a song, and just feel like I'm going to write a song right now. Like it's literally impossible. You'll just stare at the screen. Just like, I have no idea what I'm doing for like an hour. So that doesn't feel good. So it, it definitely helps to record your tracks. Uh, you know, just sing it into the microphone, right? A little bit beforehand. And then um, when it comes to writing songs, definitely got to say, I used to think that I knew a lot about writing songs. So I've been writing songs for so long, but then I realized that I know nothing. <laughs> the reason why is because one of my most famous tracks that I've written, which has, it's has about like 10 million views on YouTube. That song, it was, I thought it was so bad. I told the group that I was writing it for, I said, you know what, don't even put my name on it. 
Don't even give me credit. I don't even want the credit. This song is, I don't, like, I don't want this all on my resume. That's how bad I thought it was. That's how I bad, that's how like terrible I felt about this. I felt, I felt this song would ruin my reputation, right? And then it comes out and it's like, it's the biggest song ever, right? And then and the opposite happens where I'm like, I just love this song that I make. I'm like, this is my magnum opus. This one right here, this is it. And then I release it and like no one listens to it. Right. So, yeah. So I, I think that when it comes to writing music, a lot of people, they may feel self-conscious about it. They might think like, oh, I don't know, like, are my lyrics, are they, you know, are they embarrassing? Will people not like it or, or something like that? I say, just go for it. Just go for it. You know, if it's bad, no one's going to listen to it. And if it's good, then people will listen to it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I like the mentality, right? And just put it, put yourself out there. It's, uh, you got to put yourself out there. Yeah. It's very brave to do something like that. And you have to be, you have to be. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, for me, I'm comparing in my head. It's like putting an essay that you put, that you wrote on the internet, right? For everyone yeah. to read, to feel, yeah. to criticize, whatever it is. It, it takes a yeah. lot. And it shows that much character that you have with yourself to be able to put yourself in that position. And out of curiosity, like what emotion do you feel when you feel the most inspired, right? Do you feel sadness? Do you feel anger? Do you feel compassion? Do you feel loneliness is when you find the inspiration? What is that one emotion that, that triggers like your creativity when you're like, okay, I got to down and write right now. There's definitely like a drive that you feel that you're like, oh, you know, I need to write this down because you know from experience that if you don't do it now, you will forget, right? Because your ideas are too complicated to hold in your head for, you know, more than literally just let, you know, half an hour, then it's done, right? So you got, you got to do that. I have felt like some inspiration during times of like sad being really being really sad or being really uh, man i can't remember what what does that mean in english but you feel you know you feel really sorry i don't know what that means uh no <laughs> let's assume you feel really emotional and you like feel really very inspired. emotional right yeah. exactly exactly when you feel really emotional you feel you may you know you may have certain ideas and it's tough because usually those times are not when you're at your computer and you're not there to sit down and, and do it, right? Those are the hardest times, right? Because, you know, that might be like a breakup or something like that. So it can be difficult to channel those emotions into your, into your writing. It can be, like I said, just try to try to record or write down your ideas and then try to recall them to the best of your ability. That definitely gets like something, something gets lost in there, but what, you, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, those, those are really good insight into your teen and your day. Right. And you know, right now I'm just reading Will Smith's book. I'm just so, I know oh, yeah. How is there's it? a controversy behind that and because I haven't I'm, heard much about it. Yeah. I mean, controversy because the whole Oscar thing, right. Where, oh, right, know, right, right. That's the reason why I heard the book. Because people are like, you should uh -huh. read the book. You understand why he did the way he did. But I'm only uh -huh. the first half of the book where he talks about his inspiration behind rapping and behind creating uh -huh. music and writing it. And I find so much parallels between your two stories, right? Because yeah. you have to feel the emotion. You have to feel obsessed about what you do. If you're not obsessed about what you do, you're not going to find the passion to do it every day and practice it, right? It has to be on top of your mind. The first thing you think about every single day. Definitely. Especially because, you know, right now is not the best time to be a musician, you know, with COVID and the market. And so you know, there has to be something else besides like, I want to get famous or I want to make money. There has to be more motivation than that, especially right now. Yeah, definitely 100% agree. And that with that question, I want to hear about like, 
your turning point of your career where you're like, this is, I can do this. I'm going to stay with this for a long time, right? Things just start popping off. What was the first turning point for you? Like, and what was going through your mind? I was in college and I was really boring and I was learning, you know, interesting subjects like sociology and psychology and stuff like that. But I realized that these wouldn't really translate into any useful skills. So I thought, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Because I, I didn't really want to become like a salaried office worker. I just felt like that wasn't going to make me happy. So I decided to go to music school. The reason I did that was because I felt like, you know, everyone has their own thing that they're talented at, right? Like you don't have to be the smartest person. I'm definitely not the smartest guy, like in terms of book smarts, but I do have one special thing and that is I have perfect pitch. So I thought, well, you know, I should definitely use my talents, right? It would be a waste. It'd be a waste to let these talents go to waste. So that's why I decided, okay, I'm going to just put my effort into music school and doing music, right? So I think that everyone should find what they're good at and stick to doing that. Yeah, that's a, that's really, really good advice too. And, you know, as you're progressing into your music career, what was your first viral video? What was your first viral song that happened that, that you're like, dang, this is it? This is going to be the one? <laughs> There's a funny one. Uh, maybe we can put like a link in there. And I thought it was pretty funny where I was, I was at a show and the MC or the host, he goes, this is Andrew Chow. And he speaks into this very, you know, Chinese accent and he's, his English is not very good. He goes, this is Andrew Chow. And he's been raping since he was five. <laughs> and I was like, what? So, you know, he meant rapping, but uh, that was really funny. So then I found the recording and I turned that into a song because I think at the time it was pretty popular to like turn like news and, um, you know, stuff like into little meme tracks where you would like use auto tune. And, and so I, I did that. And that was that was really fun. That was a really fun one. And the funny thing is a lot of people heard that track that usually don't listen to my music. And so, you know, that was a little fun thing. And so. I really enjoyed doing those, even though, you know, it's not like they're paid or anything. It's, it's fun. Then after that, I've done a lot of tracks for this comedy group on YouTube called Wacky Boys. And a lot of their stuff is really, it's just, it's like parody stuff or it's just, it's pretty viral, right? Because, you know, funny, like meme stuff is pretty viral. Yeah, definitely good insight to how things work overseas because I know things in the industry across every country is quite different, right? And the next question I have is, why did you decide to launch your career in Taiwan versus like the US or something? I felt like it was easier because I had more connections and, you know, I just wanted to be myself. I think that as an Asian, if you want to do Asian stuff, if you're an Asian in America, definitely need like, you have to play off your Asian culture a bit more. It kind of sucks. Like if you, you can't, you know, if you just want to like do your own thing, I feel like, you know, actually, you know, as a, like there are YouTubers, like music, music YouTubers who do a pretty good job just being themselves and doing music. So I, I think that's actually fine. I simply chose Taiwan because I already, you know, came out in Taiwan and I just wanted to go ahead and keep doing it. But I feel like if you're in America and you're doing music, I think that people in general would be more inclined to listen to you if you somehow you played off your Asian roots, just just because, you know, like, I don't know, I saw everything everywhere all the time. Yeah. 
And, you know, there's a lot of Asian people in that movie and, you know, they, they did a good job, right. With like the whole laundromat and the whole, you know, like speaking different languages and stuff. That's just how it is. That's what people expect. So it's a little easier if you do it that way, I think. Yeah. I mean, that brings up a pretty good point too. I never really thought of it from that angle. Right. Because as an Asian American, when I look at these artists, not even at that point, it's kind of true. Like there's a lot of angles of I'm Asian American. This is my identity. It's a huge part of their music. It always incorporates Asian American history in there somehow, which I think is a great thing. And for you to bring up saying that you want to be yourself by starting your career in Taiwan, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Right. Because no one's in a bad eye that you are Taiwanese in Taiwan. <laughs> it just makes, yeah. it just makes sense. Right. So thanks well, for pointing up. Yeah, I, I am Asian American and I am very Asian American actually, but I just, I don't, I mean, Asian American is basically just American, which is fine, but it doesn't make for like the most entertaining, like, you know, like cultural, like memes and, you know, black people have a very deep culture with their hip hop, you know, so they can do, you know, like a lot of like gang, 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 you know, <laughs> they can do a lot of stuff like that. For us Asian people, like we, you know, we go back, to, people just expect like, oh, well, you have to go back to doing traditional, you know, wearing cheap house and stuff, which is kind of weird. That's what they think. Although, you know, as a Ma Asian Americans, we're like, whoa, whoa, I never even seen a cheap house, you know, what's a cheap house? So, I don't know. Like you look at like, you know, you, you look at like really famous, you know, who's famous? Rich Brian, right? He kind of like a, like a parody, right? His parody, like, you, know, I've, I've, you know, in his interviews, he's like very Asian American, very normal, but he chose to do a parody because it's more interesting. It's more fun, right? I think that this, you know, the stereotype, which is a stereotype for a reason, which is, you know, Asian Americans, they study really hard, lawyers, doctors, that's uh it's good for society and it's uh, just good, good in general, great in general, but it uh, doesn't make for the most interesting music. Yeah, I can, I can see the point that you make there. Um, out of curiosity, like what is your schedule like the next few months? Like, are you going on any tours? I know you just recently signed uh, with a label. Congratulations on that. When you're signed you. with a label, like what, what kind of things did it plan for you? Like, did you plan your, your music, your wardrobe, your lyrics? Like, how does that process work for someone who doesn't know anything? It kind of depends, but it's not quite as... The label can do stuff for you, but you got to understand that labels now and maybe 20 years ago have changed a lot in terms of, like, their power just because of social media. So I think that if you're trying to go the more traditional route, it is hyper-competitive. And so the label the label really can't push you as far as they might have, you know, used to be able to do. So a lot of it is you're doing your own social media and stuff, honestly. And, you know, it's actually a lot more business than you might expect. I write proposals for my music. So if I want to do a project, like I want to do an album and I want funding for it, then I'll write a proposal and say, this is this is my concept. This is my idea. This is how much money I think I'm going to need to do this. These are the people that I might need. It's very, it's very business-like. I don't think you can rely on a label to take care of you in terms of like have your whole creative plan laid out. It's just not how it works anymore, unfortunately, especially nowadays with stuff like NFTs coming out and that, you know, this kind of disruptive technology is not something well maybe in america they're a bit more forward with it but taiwan it's mostly you know the labels trying to you know it's it's very monolithic 
and you know it moves much more slowly because there's so much bureaucracy so i think the lucky thing is i think that they understand that they kind of are getting behind on the time so they do offer a lot more freedom in what you're allowed to do because you know they found that a lot of successful artists nowadays are kind of doing their own thing and so there's like oh okay well it works if we just let them do what they want yeah i mean that's that's really good insight too into the different subtle differences of like different industries especially in in taiwan and like the u.s for example right and kind of curious too like Tell us about like your day in life where you're going on tours, you're performing, you're getting bookings, right? How does that feel and look for you? Like when you walk into a room, you walk into a nightclub or wherever you are at a concert and you know, like people are there to watch you. What is that feeling like when you're on stage? Sure. I can tell you, uh, but to be fair right now, because of COVID, everyone's antisocial. I've probably had more shows canceled than I can count. Um, so, uh, it's, it's kind of right now, you know, because of COVID, even though that the COVID restrictions are being lifted, I think people in general are still very antisocial, you know, where it's just like, they would just choose not to go to a crowded venue, you know, having like 10, 20 people in like one square meter or whatever they don't, they would just, they just choose not to do that now. Right. I mean, you know, that's how I feel. But in the past, you know, obviously performing my music for other people is a great feeling. It's the it's where all the achievement comes from. Right. Because you you finish your own track, you finish your own song. You're like, oh, yeah, it's great. I, I enjoy it. You probably listen to it like a thousand times. But, you know, it's just you know, you, you can't wait to get it out into other, you know, the audience and let them hear it. So being able to, you know, play my music for other people in front of the crowd and to, you know, hear their reaction and see their reaction. That's like basically where all the achievement comes from. Right. So it's definitely great. You know, that's what it's all about really. Right. And you do get used to it now that, uh, you know, we don't have that right now because of COVID, I definitely miss it. So, and to me, it doesn't really matter if it's like 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand people, because I think that, you know, I just try to get my music out to, you know, as much, as many people as I can. Although, you know, my music isn't actually mainstream. I don't, and I don't do mainstream music for myself. I do write mainstream music, but it, you know, it's, it doesn't have my name on it. Right. It's like uh ghostwriting, I guess. So so for my own stuff, I don't expect, you know, my goal isn't like, oh, I wanna I wanna perform in like a stadium with a like you know, with ten thousand people. You know, I actually prefer to, you know, get to talk to fans personally. I feel like it's not necessary to call people like fans or whatever, but just you know, being able to people who like my music and to like talk to them, it, it's fun. It's fun. There's definitely something there that you can't get from being like, well, maybe a doctor because, you know, you help your patients and they're very grateful to you. But, you know, for other professions, I don't think there's definitely some respect there, which, you know, people, they look up to you, especially because, you know, maybe your music helped them in a certain moment because, you know, maybe they were feeling down and your music made them happy. So they're grateful to you for that. Right. And so they express that gratitude. And that's a lot of achievement comes from there. So something that, you know, that's where some motivation comes from that you don't get just from money or fame. Yeah. I mean, those are really good insights too. And I personally feel that everything you choose and do in life, it's difficult in somehow, some way, in some form. 
right? Like the biggest thing is like, can you find fulfillment from that? And can you find passion from that? Right. And also it comes down to one thing. It's impact. Whether you're a doctor impacting patients on their health or a musician impacting your fans or supporters with their mood or mentality or whatnot. It's all about making that impact and being purposeful in life is really what I think it is. Right. And, you know, Andrew, I'm kind of curious too. How'd you come up with MDD? Right. I'm, tr- I'm looking at it the whole time that we're on this 40. I'm just like, I don't see an A or a C in there from Andrew Chow. <laughs> How do you come with MDD for? Uh, I mean, I want to hear yeah, well, uh, that. Yeah. Machi DD was my uh, stage name when I first came out because I came out with the group Machi. DD means little brother. I was 13. So I was a little kid. So it's basically like little kid Machi. Right. But as I got older, people were like, you should change your name. And I was like, oh, I don't want to change my name. Because, you know, look at Lil Wayne. He's been rapping since he was a kid. He's still called Lil Wayne. But in the end, I, I capitulated and I decided just to change to MDD. So, you know, it's not that. That's just why I did it. Okay. It's good to hear the origin story behind that. And I guess we have one or, one or two questions left, right? And the next question is, what's next for you, right? I say the pandemic is over and everything is open, wide open again. What is next for you? What is your goal for like the next five to like, five too long let's talk about two to three five three to five years can't wait for the pandemic to be over i don't think it'll be over anytime soon like the pandemic can be over but i think people's mentality may not be over so soon i hope it will i honestly hope it will be i want to you know put out more music you know get people back into you know the social mode so they can go out you know have drinks with their friends party dance do all that have fun again and I'm just committed to making cool art. You know, as, although I'm a musician, as a musician nowadays, you still got to do like some art stuff. So I'm looking, you know, I'm working on an NFT, but not just like a JPEG, you know, not just like one of your run of the run of the mill, like am JPEG things. I want to make my NFT like something actually cool, something kind of, you know, actually like have a little something innovative in there, something I can be proud of. Right. So. Yeah doing that and then you know combining that with my new music so just you know creating cool art that is going to be different and that than what other people have made before and you know just something i hope that people can appreciate and be like whoa you know this guy makes some cool stuff yeah i mean i I like that perspective too right and just being able to combine and incorporate mainstream not mainstream stuff like cooler out of the box of NFTs into your music. I think that's that's a huge part of being an artist, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like most of the marketing depends on yourself and most of the creativity is on you, right? No one else can do that for you. Definitely. Yeah, so I feel, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for that that response for sure. So Andrew, so we do have a final question and that final question is, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting their music career in Taiwan right now? What what thing would you advise them to do differently from when you, when you first started? If someone's going to be starting out doing music, I would say definitely, as I said before, in terms of your skill, be the best version of yourself. Second is you got to eat. So you got to hustle and approach it like, like a business. You definitely have to think about what the market wants in terms of what you want. So, you know, you should approach it more like a business, as I said. I mean, differently than what I did, I think those are two good things. I can't really think of anything else. I mean, those are two big, important things, right? Yeah. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think those are great. You know, you have to you have to treat like a business if you want to take it seriously, right? You can't just yeah. like a hobby because at the end of the day, you do you're all right. You do have got to eat. The only way you eat is hustle. The only way you eat is practice. The yeah. only way you eat is get better at your craft. Because once you're number one and you're undeniably good, no one's going to deny you at all at that front stage, at that meal, at that pay payroll yeah. or whatever it is, right? So I absolutely agree with your statements. I think that a person who is going to want to choose to be a musician now, they need to very carefully consider and don't try to do it just because it's fun. Because as soon as you become professional, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> Actually, at least it's not as much fun. Okay, it's still fun. Not as much fun, though. You, you definitely have to work even when you don't want to. So, you know, make sure that that's like something that you're very committed to doing that because uh, you got to really think about the reasons why you're doing it. And if that is really your purpose in life to go into being a musician, because there are some good things, but there are also, you know, you, there are also risks with it too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think people should be well aware of the risks and reward, right? Higher risk, more reward. Uh, but definitely don't come into very naive knowing, know, knowing that, you know, things may or may not work out, but it largely depends on you and your team, your own creativity to make things happen for sure. So Andrew, yeah. how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you online? Yeah, I have an Instagram. I have YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. So it's uh, MDD Andrew Chow. That is my Instagram. And on YouTube, it is also MDD Andrew Chow. I believe you, if you search that, you will find me. I am on Spotify. You can hear my new stuff. You search MDD. My old stuff, if you type in Machi DD. So that's also why I changed my name as well, because I wanted to separate my new stuff from my old stuff. I didn't want the Spotify playlist to you know, keep it going and start playing like stuff from 2003. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me, you can find me there. For sure. We'll include all that in the show notes along with Andrew's bio and headshot as well. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Really appreciate your story. Cool. Thanks, Brian. Thanks guys. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.